Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Sports Professor Rick Harrow and you are keeping score. End of the month, Halloween, pretty scary for the $1.7 trillion business of sports. A lot of geopolitical issues that we've talked about over the past couple of weeks. Baseball playoffs happening, football halfway through, soccer continuing, basketball and hockey starting and in month two respectively. And we'll get into our deals, three to one. First of all, number three involves soccer. The World Health Organization announced a four-year deal with FIFA to promote healthy lifestyles through football globally. The agreement includes multiple areas of collaboration, advocacy, policy alignment at FIFA events, tobacco-free policies, including at stadiums, and enabling WHO to provide technical advice to FIFA on health matters, building on FIFA events to institute lasting improvements in health and safety, joint programs and initiatives to increase participation in physical activity through football in line with guidance of the World Health Organization. And while we continue to take smoke-free sporting environments and related health initiatives for granted in the U.S., it's not the case in much of the rest of the world. The new tie-up between the World Health Organization and FIFA can make inroads in the policies that really do benefit all sports fans, and that's number three. Number two, the Olympic movement, the U.S. and the Paralympic Committee as well, relaxes Rule 40 guidelines. The guidelines relate to the Rule 40 Olympic Charter, which restricts the use of athletes' names and images for advertising purposes. The U.S. Olympic and Paralympic athletes will be able to thank personal sponsors, appear in advertisements for those sponsors, and receive congratulatory messages from them during next year's Tokyo Games under guidance released last week from the Olympic and Paralympic Committee of the U.S. Official partners will maintain exclusive use of Team USA and Olympic Games logos and imagery, but athletes' personal sponsors will be permitted to run generic ads. The same brands will no longer face a deadline to put a campaign into market prior to the Olympics and will have more freedom on social media. The loosening of marketing rules gives athletes more freedom to benefit from sponsors they deal with rather than limiting the official partner companies of the Olympic Committee and the IOC. NCAA may be next, but the Olympics seems to be clearer for athletes and sponsors. That's number two. Number one, Snapchat enables in-game purchases for the first time in a new campaign with Adidas. They've launched a new interactive campaign on Snapchat, which for the first time will enable users to purchase a product via a game in the app. Through the game, players will also be able to purchase the latest Adidas, Adidas, Adidas cleats, the first time such capacity has been expanded to a game, significant step in e-commerce efforts, and the new campaign from the company is not part of its game platform as such, but underlines Snap's push toward gaming as it seeks to maximize its appeal and keeps its users in-app for longer. It'll also help boost Snap's combined gaming and advertising ambitions, which ideally will appeal to the gaming market, and in itself, Snap games offer new advertising potential 
but the addition of a new game product tie-in process with in-app purchasing could provide another way for brands to create engaging, immersive campaigns. And that's number one, sneakers, sneakers, and more sneakers. And now, sneakers, footwear, and gambling. Very interesting segue, the world basketball stage related to the NBA has never been more in focus. The average franchise, by the way, is worth now about a billion nine, up 13% year over year, about three times the value of five years ago. Front and center with a new arena, Golden State, and Fiserv Arena within Milwaukee Bucks, $524 million arena. The Bucks with a new TV deal as well, and internationally, big deal with the NBA. We've seen the recent turbulence with China and otherwise, but there's also the impact of wrapping up the best deals you possibly can for your athlete in a global economy. Alex Sarapsis is the Senior Director of Global Operations for Octagon Basketball, and as such, has the Greek freak as a client. He recently negotiated a four-year, $100 million contract extension for him with the Bucks. He also secured a landmark global shoe deal for the Greek freak with Nike, making him the first ever international basketball player to receive his own Nike signature shoe, and only the fourth NBA player with combined playing and shoe contracts worth at least $200 million. There is nobody better at the opening of the NBA season to talk geopolitical, international, revenue, retail, Nike, Greek freak, and otherwise. Alex Sarapsis. Sports professor Ricardo, beyond the scoreboard, in the boardroom, these are the intersections of business, life, geopolitics. It's all around basketball. Basketball has driven a lot of world's attention going into the Olympics, international, three-on-three, a lot of different developments. But the way to deal with the expertise on all of this is starting with the top. Alex Sarapsis, the senior director of global operations for Octagon basketball and an expert for 18 years with the basketball marketplace. That's pretty significant. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I don't know about expert, but I do my best. Look, the bio, and it's obviously very objective, it has expert in here 13 times. So you've got to be an expert. It's clearly objective. So I'm clearly an expert. You're clearly an expert. So give me a elevator speech just really quickly about Octagon basketball. We'll We'll get kind of the credentials on the table first. Uh, well, Octagon Basketball, I mean, gosh, my boss has been around for 30 plus years. We operate as a quote unquote boutique agency with about 25 MBA clients, but we have the resources of one of the largest agencies in the world. Um, we recruit like minded people. We recruit guys that are um, hardworking, that are involved in their community, that are really just good people. And, and we've had a lot of success with that. And that's recruiting the um, executives. Also, what do you look for in clients? Let's put it that way to begin with. That they're good? Yeah. Probably. In, in what context, though? I mean, good good people? Good, good Listen, we, it's, for us, it's, it's both. We want them to be good people and good players. Uh, we've been really lucky that we've had a lot of players that were not very heralded, from Wesley Matthews, um, Ryan Anderson, um, gosh, even, even Giannis to a certain degree when he came into the league, and we knew they were going to be good players, but they're better people. And we feel that if you are a good person, you work hard, um, you're dedicated to your craft, you're going to have a lot of success. Spell the Greek freak's name in 10 seconds. G-I-A-N-N-I-S-A-N-T-E-T-O-U-K-N-P. 
NMPO. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Great. How many people could do that, by the way? Not yeah, bad. probably not a lot. Probably I'll do not. the Greek Freak for That's purposes good. of this interview. Is that okay? That's good enough. So the Greek Freak and you have reached a harmonious conversion. You got him a four-year, $100 million contract extension with the Bucks, a landmark global shoe deal with Nike, the first ever international basketball player to receive his own Nike signature shoe, and the fourth NBA player with combined playing and shoe contracts worth at least $200 million. That is really significant. Congrats to you. I know you'd say you wouldn't do it alone, but it's a really significant breakthrough for a lot of different reasons. Talk about it. Oh, gosh, absolutely. I mean, if, if you think about in, in terms of my career, when I started 18 years ago, a lot of people getting into the business now, they know somebody, they're someone's friend, they grew up with a basketball player. I started I started this business. I didn't know one person um, straight out of college. And it, it, it's funny to see now, I represented Giannis when in 2013. So that was 12 years into the business. So I would I have no problem to say that I was lucky. I, it was right place, right time. But we've both grown together, and it's been an, a fantastic ride. It's been really wonderful to see him grow up as a person, to see him grow up as a player. But just the the gosh, we've been to Taiwan together. We've been to China together. We've been to uh, maybe in Africa together. It's really fun to see his growth. Um, and we always knew he's going to be a good player, but to see him grow as a man has probably been one of the one of my biggest pride and joys of, of this business. One of the smallest markets in the NBA, yet you negotiate one of the biggest deals in NBA history, certainly internationally. I'm going to say that one of the beauties of the NBA is it's a global partnership of 30 partners that transcends individual cities. And it doesn't much matter whether you're Kevin Durant when he was in Oklahoma City or the Greek freak in Milwaukee. Agree? I, I completely agree. I, I just... I just um spoke about this i think the the nba and the and the advent of social media the advent of how um players are marketed i don't think the market really plays a role in anymore i don't think Giannis would be any more of a superstar if he played in new york or in la um could he be involved in a few you know if he's here in new york would he be involved in some private equity things possibly if he's in la could he get more movie deals maybe but we turn those down on a daily basis and i think also it's a two-hour plane flight well, yeah, I, 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 and Milwaukee's an hour fifteen drive from me. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have to. I can go up and have lunch with him and and, well, and nobody leave. Cares about you, we care about you. Uh, him going to L.A. Right? No, no, Still, but absolutely, but absolutely. I mean, to me, it's it's really been a wonderful thing to see that it that he has outgrown that market. Not outgrown. That, that's a wrong word. He has transcended the market, and so I don't think him playing in any of the big cities on the coast would change anything. I think he is as global a superstar as Kevin Durant was in Oklahoma City, as LeBron James was when he was in Cleveland, and, and I even mentioned that Kevin Garnett when he's in, in Minnesota. I don't think the marketplace plays that much of a role anymore. Good examples. However, if you're going to negotiate a long-term deal, a four-year extension in this case with, with Giannis, what is being in a relatively small market where, uh, other than the Packers and the Brewers, mm -hmm. this is the man? Mm -hmm. um, it may not be an obligation, but it's a feeling that Giannis is set and suited for Milwaukee and vice versa. So there's kind of an understanding that he will be ingrained in that community mm -hmm. long term or you wouldn't have done an extension. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think even going into, you know, free agency, I mean, whether, um, you know, he, he stays in Milwaukee, he goes anywhere else. I mean, that that the, the playing contract in and of itself is, is set, whether he was in Oklahoma City or New York. The, the cap is the cap. The max is the max. So he was going to get that. He'll get that wherever he goes. 
But to me, he's ingrained in the community. He grew, he's he's become a, a man in Milwaukee. He came in as an 18 year old child, and he's got his family with him, and he's become really an adult. And um, I, I I just I I think honestly, the marketplace for him it, it Milwaukee suited him. It's a small town. He feels comfortable, and I think at the end of the day, wherever he ends up, if he ends up in Milwaukee elsewhere, he's the contract really kind of takes care of itself. Let's talk footwear. And I'm old enough to remember when Dr. J and Converse and even earlier than that, it's morphed quite clearly. Yeah. You've taken it to a new level with an international player receiving his own contract. I assume that was an initial hurdle, but not significantly because I guess my question is, does the shoe fit the player, the fit player fit the shoe? You go to Nike and you basically say, here are the attributes. Uh, was it a like a Zion related uh, bidding war where you have six companies? Here's the high bidder. What was the process? Yeah, it was a. I don't know what Zion went through, but it was an, an absolute bidding war. He was the premier shoe free agent several years ago. Everybody was saving money to be able to sign Giannis, and for him, the most important thing was the relationship. He's a very big relationship person. Uh, if you talk about dollars, everything was pretty equitable. If you talk about their plans for a signature shoe, that was a given. He was going to have a signature shoe no matter where he went. But for us, what was important was their vision, Nike's vision for him and how he was going to be one of 23 signature athletes in the history of Nike and the first ever international signature athlete. So for us, that made the decision pretty easy. And we knew, you said does the shoe fit the player? Does the player fit the shoe? I think it's symbiotic. I think it's the mm-hmm. same. I think when we go through the process of designing the shoe, it's who is he as a person? Uh, what's important to him? Um, what are the aspects of the shoe that fit his personality? And again, the shoe has to work well for him. So I think they both go hand in hand. And so uh, your perspective is quite different on it. You just did the deal and he's the only international. Having said that, if you were in the industry objectively, would you say that there are too many big-time shoe contracts? Does it dilute the value of a special shoe relationship knowing there's so many out there in the marketplace? But there really isn't. Okay. If you think about it, there's 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 a lot out there. But in terms of the ones that perform well, mm. it, it, I was discussing this with someone. The last non-Nike shoe that did really well was probably the – you know. Kobe's when he was with Adidas or Tracy McGrady when he was with Adidas. But since then, it's a saturated marketplace, but it's really a top-heavy marketplace. So when you look at Giannis, it's Giannis, it's Kyrie Irving, it's Kevin Durant, uh, it's LeBron James and, and Paul George. All five Nike guys. Those are the ones that perform the most, which is why Nike has, I don't know what it is, 96, 97% market share. So I don't think it dilutes it at all because I think it ends up being, again, if the shoe is good and the person is is someone like Giannis or a good person and someone that appeals to all different uh, demographics, it's going to be successful. But I, I, it's funny. There's not that many big shoe deals anymore. Where's Zion going to fit? I have Long no idea. Term. I have no idea. Okay. Good answer. That's probably because nobody really I have no know. idea. Listen, when Giannis came into the NBA, we had no idea where he was going to yeah. fit. Yeah. And and I think Zion is a fantastic talent in his own right. I think there's, it's, it's a groundswell of excitement for him. But at the end of the day, he still has to perform on the court. So this is not, by the way, just the Greek Freaks agent. You've got Bam Adebayo, you've got Seth Curry, uh, you've got Dennis Schroeder, you've got a whole bunch of other people too. So what does Octagon Basketball look like in a few years? How are you going to grow the business? Well, that's 
that's an interesting question because I think part of it for us is we we want to grow the, the the business organically. We are not a company that wants to sign have seventy or eighty clients in the MBA. Um, I think we have a really good ratio right now, twenty five to thirty clients in the MBA that get the kind of attention that they deserve. I don't expect us being someone that in two to three years is representing a hundred clients or eighty clients. I think we like the size that we're in. Obviously, we want to grow the business, but we think that with the right clients, with the right kind of people, you grow with them as opposed to continuing to add more and more talent. Because then that dilutes the entire the entire agency. It dilutes the amount of time you get to spend with them. So I think it's going to be an organic process. So our final question about uh, the Greek freak or or, or large contract deals and marketing them. Uh, the asset allocation, the asset value allocation, uh, I assume the Bucks felt really comfortable, especially with their relationship back to Greece. The NBA is comfortable. How easy is it to do large deals now, understanding that the team needs to be appeased or involved, and so does the NBA? It's, it's, it's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's for us, I think for any client, I've, I've said this all the time, for a client to do a, 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 a good playing contract deal, a good NBA deal, you have to have two basic parameters, timing and leverage. So if you have timing and he is one of the most sought after free agents and you have more than one team going after your your player, your player, you will have the deal that you want. If either of those two parts don't exist, you don't you have leverage but you don't have timing or you have timing and you don't have leverage, it doesn't matter how much the NBA is involved, it doesn't matter how much the team needs to be appeased, it's still a free market and, you know, I, Supply has to meet demand. Yeah. So that's, to me, the most important thing. So anytime as an agent, we look at it and say, do I have the leverage going into this free agency for Giannis, for Bam, for Sadoransky, or anybody like that to be able to get the deal that we want? NBA average franchise value, if you believe Forbes, is now $1.9 billion. It's up 13% year over year. Um, I'm sure the notion of the face of a franchise and the significant superstar is a very significant piece of value, and you guys deal with that all the time. Yet the salary cap negotiations mm-hmm. is one piece of it. But how do you internally calculate the value of a hypothetically a Greek freak on the Bucks or any of the players you represent on any team? I, I mean, that's a really good question. I think that's proprietary information that Milwaukee will never give me because I'll use that against them for negotiations. But with, with them to reach with them, absolutely, oh, absolutely, right. with them. But it's it's interesting because I had a conversation with someone the other day that, and it was a it was an owner. Who said he knows it would never happen, but for the upper echelon of people who have helped raise a value, there should be some equity base. You know, if you really want to keep a player in your market, you really incentivize them and say, hey, our our sake of argument, Milwaukee, they bought it for 400 and somewhat odd million dollars. I think their valuation now is like 1.4 billion. I don't know specifically that that change, how much Giannis is attributed to it. But I'm pretty sure there's a significant amount. So what would that amount be to say, Giannis, you stay in Milwaukee. We've grown the value of this franchise. We want you to participate. That would never happen. And I understand that. But if you talk about having someone have real equity in that growth, that's the best way to do it. Why does every good idea in sports start with a preface, it'll never happen? Yeah, isn't, that, isn't that interesting? It's, yeah. it's very interesting, but you know what? We we it, it's good because we're not going to waste time on it, yeah, knowing that knowing that we're, it's we're, not going to happen. We already wasted two good minutes, but it was really good. It minutes. was good minutes. Couple of, couple of thoughts about the NBA. Obviously, uh, Asia, South America, Europe. You have it in your mandate as your next growth areas. 
you also speak, it says, 37 languages, and you're successful in dealing with international business and creating lasting relationships all over this planet and I think others. it's 45 languages. That's pretty significant, man. <laughs> but, but when you think about it in all seriousness, where is the next fertile ground? We'll talk about China in a second, but just for a second. Next fertile ground for, for you, from your perspective. Uh, I think there the NBA is making a big push in India. I think the NBA is continuing to where you have a significant amount of you know people. That the problem is, it, it's going to take a lot of time to develop those new markets. When you talk about true growth in India, they've started from the very grassroots level, just like they did two decades ago in China. Slowly start introducing the game. Slowly begin teaching people how to play. And I think. The next growth sectors are are Europe to a certain degree, but I I really think if you think about India, if you think about continuing to grow the game in Tokyo, the Philippines, really a lot of the Southeast Asian areas is is important. Um, But again, Adam Silver probably has a much better answer to that than I do. Well, but you all have good answers from your own perspective. And then I guess finally from this issue, you've got to talk about it. It's been an elephant in the room. But when historians look back, on the Daryl Morey tweet and the reaction, the reaction, the reaction. What do you think will be the ultimate takeaway from this experience? I think that's a really good question. And I I don't even know what the answer to that is. I think it's when we look back five, ten years from now, I think the landscape of basketball will have changed. I think, as you said, there'll be new markets. Um, I don't know. You know, this is something I think we've never really been through before. And it shows how global basketball has become. It shows that it is affecting, you know, uh, even public policies to a certain degree. Um, I think Adam Silver will be able to figure out how to navigate these waters. But I'd be lying if I said in 10 years from now, looking back, what what this meant, I, I don't know. Well, and Alex, one of the things I think we all would agree on is that it is a heck of a case study for academicians, for crisis managers, for social media followers, for sports agents, and everybody yeah. else in between. So where are you going to be in five years? Oh, man, that's a good question. I, I will be hopefully representing wonderful players and, and, and continue to do what it is that I do. Or, or I could be on a beach in Bali with my kids and living a good life. I don't know. Or anywhere, anywhere between, between. Or representing athletes and living a good life. That's, a, that's a, absolutely Alex right. Alex Rotsis, Senior Director of Global Operations, Octagon Basketball. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Rick Harrow, speak with you soon. Well, you understand the value of the Bucks, by the way. They went from the third oldest building to the second newest, increased their value, and the Greek freak being the face of the franchise for at least four more years plus certainly doesn't hurt. An interesting perspective as we start the NBA season. Let's look at the Tech Sports Minute this week. Formula One and the Complex Media Group teamed up for content with Rapper uh, to develop a process. It'll be called The Pit and feature Formula One themed challenges. According to Sports Pro, the online series aims to provide a greater insight into the global motorsport series. It'll feature current Formula One drivers, Carlos Sainz, Lando Norris, and uh, other champions as well. The show originally premiered on October 4, followed by weekly episodes until the U.S. Grand Prix on November 1. Partnership brings rap, Formula One, and pop culture fans to an intersection where they'll be able to share their passions and be introduced to new sports and cultures to grow fan bases in all three categories. Really interesting from the tech and demographic perspective. And then the NFL 
It expands its over-tier game pass deal to 181 countries around the world. Since 2017, Overtier has held the rights to operate NFL Game Pass in Europe, 61 countries in the region. The new agreement expands to more than 100 additional countries, South Korea, Japan, Mexico, Hong Kong, Brazil, Australia, and otherwise. And it's driven up viewership and subscriptions for NFL Game Pass significantly in Europe over the past two seasons, and now looks to expand the NFL's influence to countries around the world. And that's your Sports Tech Minute. Finally, your Power of Sports Minute. The NBA San Antonio Spurs Silver and Black Giveback Program awards 180000 to local nonprofits. Those grants to the school system and otherwise empower youth through service and sports. San Antonio Zoo, the Good Samaritan Community Services, all of these entities are participating. The zoo, by the way, uses the educational classroom with an operation renovation facility to renovate the zoo's education center. It hadn't been renovated since it was occupied in 84. The program helps to keep youth in San Antonio active, educated, and comforted. In New Orleans, linebacker Demario Davis turns his Man of God headband violation into an act of charity. The NFL tried to go after him, by the way, for his headband with a religious message. He won his appeal of the fine, $7,017. He was handed to him by the league, and the money would instead go to the cause he's been promoting. Good deal, according to the Washington Post. Picked up the support from a New Orleans-based area Catholic school, where children created their own versions of the Man of God headband that garnered the NFL's scrutiny. All of the $7,000 fine will now be donated to the St. Dominic Hospital in Jackson, Mississippi, where Davis grew up. His mother worked at the hospital while he starred in high school before he went on to become a third-round pick by the Jets in 2012. And sales of headbands emblazoned with Man of God and Women of God picked up after the NFL informed Davis he'd be fined for wearing one during a September game. And by the way, it raised an additional thirty grand for the hospital. Good for everybody. Last keeping score this week, we'd like to thank all of the Reuters guys for putting it together, Tanner Simpkins uh, and Reed Weber on my side, and join us next week when we continue to keep score. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. Assistance provided by Carlos Swadek, Tanner Simpkins, Reuters Digital. I'm Ricardo. Thanks again for listening. See you next time on Keeping Score.